0: With the news media covering increasingly more news about data breaches and security and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the privacy Professor. We're here to help you mitigate potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Hello,
1: and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host, and I'm so happy you're joining us today. Welcome to the 18th episode of my show. I'm really excited to have this platform to help raise the awareness of information security and privacy risks and issues and highlight current issues that really need to be discussed more. And I also just love to provide listeners with practical tips and actions to help improve information security and to better protect their privacy. Please check out my websites, Symbus360.com and PrivacyGuidance.com. Now, my May Privacy Professor Tips message was published on April 30th. Did you get yours? Well, if not, sign up for them. They're free. You can sign up for them by going to privacyguidance.com and submitting your email in the box in the upper right part of your screen. And please send me an email letting me know who is your privacy go-to person at your work or in your personal life I'm recognizing privacy heroes in my monthly tips messages throughout 2018 so I want to hear who uh, helps you a lot with that now today my tip of the week relates to our topic and I'm going to um, get to that part of the topic with regard to the amount of personal information that you put online. So how much of your personal information do you put online? And do you put the personal information of other people's online, like your children's, your other family members, your friends, your coworkers, and so on? Well, here's my tip. Limit the amount of personal information you put online online to the very minimum necessary. Do not put your home address or current location where others beyond the very specific people that you trust can access it, especially on your social media sites. You know, the crooks really love to go out there and scrape the people's publicly available home addresses, phone numbers, and other types of personal information from social media sites. And then they use it to commit their robberies and other types of crimes. So here's what I want you to do. Go out and check your Facebook, your Instagram, YouTube, and other social media profiles and either remove all of this personal information, which certainly is best, or if you have a few people you want to know it, restrict in your settings for that social media site, restrict all the people from seeing that information except for the very few people you personally know and trust. So today I'm discussing a safety issue that does have data security and privacy implications. So I live in Des Moines, Iowa, and I was alarmed to see on the local news yesterday about a woman who lives in the area, and she had just gotten home from work, and she was alone in her house, and she was startled because she heard a really loud banging at her front door. And the aggressive knocking really scared her, so she didn't answer the front door. She tried to ignore it, but then suddenly she saw a police officer pushing through her back door. And the police officer said to her, "Um, we got a call that someone had been shot at this address. Well, at least 10 West Des Moines police patrol cars had already converged upon her home at that, that time. The woman was the latest victim of swatting in our area, a hoax 911 call from typically a faraway location that sends a major police presence to a home that does not really actually have any emergency. Now, in this local case, in the fake 911 conversation, this bogus caller claimed to be the woman that was there in that home. And the bogus caller told the dispatcher that her son had shot her husband, and was walking around in their backyard with a loaded hunting rifle. And then the fake caller provided some detailed claims about her son being dangerous and kicking down doors and trying to shoot people. Then the call ended suddenly with the hoaxer pretending that the woman's son kicked down the kitchen door where she had told the 911 dispatch she was calling from, and then the call stopped. However, during all of this time that this hoax caller was on the phone with her, the actual woman, who the caller claimed to be, was in her West Des Moines home alone. And soon after that swatting call ended abruptly, the police had set up perimeters on the woman's home on the north and south sides of her house and her property with their weapons drawn and their shields up. Now, since they were told someone was breaking in through her back door, they wanted to cover the entire home. After the police realized that this was a fake call, the 911 dispatchers made a call back to the number that claimed to be the woman in distress. And it went to a jiffy lube in Austin, Texas. So investigators are now trying to determine what charges can be filed. And the the woman said she had no idea why someone did this to her and she didn't know where they got her name or her address, that's my tip from earlier, and why they they chose her home. Another swatting incident occurred in Arlington, Texas in April of this year and there were three swatting incidents in the Chicago area and at least six swatting incidents in the New York area in April. If I had spent more than 30 seconds looking, I probably could have found more incidents. Despite this, I still see where the the police say that swatting is comparatively rare. Well, we know now that it can be deadly also. A, A man in Wichita, Kansas, was killed in December after police fatally shot him following one of these swatting false reports. And the hoax call in Kansas was made by a person named Tyler Barris, who was playing an online game, Call of Duty, which was somehow tied to the reason why he had made this swatting call. Barris was charged with involuntary manslaughter and also for giving false alarm and interference with law enforcement. The police in that case were not charged for killing the N.R. man who came to the door when uh, they were calling him out. Now, when I heard about the swatting situation here in my own area, I started thinking about how lucky that woman was that it did not lead to any type of tragedy for her. And I also started wondering how to prevent or at least lessen the probability of such incidents and also the security and privacy issues that are involved. So that's when I contacted my guest today. So today I'm really happy to have returning to my show Tom Conley president and CEO of the Conley Group, based right here in Des Moines, Iowa. Now, in January of this year, Tom was appointed to serve on the Anti-Terrorism Accreditation Board, or the ATAB, Strategic Counterterrorism Council. In addition to having earned many other professional certifications, Tom earned and also was awarded the prestigious Certified Grand Master Elite Anti Terrorism Specialist designation in 2015. Now, Tom has been directly involved with the development of the Maritime Security Manager certification and he made a significant contribution to the ATAB Operational Security and Intelligence certification. Tom has many years of experience as an information security manager while he was in the U.S. Navy. In 2010, Tom was awarded the ATAB Legion of Exceptional Merit uh, Award for his work. Now, he has a 27-year career serving in the U.S. Navy police, and he retired as a senior commissioned officer. Tom is also a former police captain and has held several command positions and is a certified counterterrorism instructor for the U.S. Department of Defense. Tom has lots of other certifications. He's also a graduate of the Executive Security International. He's a certified emergency medical technician, and he has a black belt in karate to boot, in addition to being an expert with uh, handguns and rifles. So you can see more about Tom and his services at theconlygroup.com. Tom, thank you so very much for returning to be my guest today. Welcome to my show.
2: Becky, thank you very much for having me back. I very much appreciate it.
1: Well, this is such an important issue. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, when I started just in a 30-second period of time, I found all those swatting incidents after I heard about the one here um, in our Des Moines area. That are going on throughout the U.S. So, could you provide our listeners with a description of swatting? And just to, as a reminder, our listeners are, you know, from not only here in the U.S. but also in many other countries throughout the world.
2: Certainly, um, swatting comes from the word or the acronym of SWAT, which uh, stands for Special Weapons and Tactics, and uh, Special Weapons and Tactics. Are used by uh, both military as well as um, uh, more elite police units, um, and they're specially trained people to respond to uh, high threat uh, incidences um, that uh, have a potential for high casualties. So, um, uh, an example would be, uh, you know, the, the Navy SEALs. Um, mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, every country uh, has, has special forces, but it's, in essence, a, a, a SWAT function. <clears throat> so what, um, what swatting is, is um, really, and, and you mentioned that it, came it was born from a video game called Call of Duty that was introduced in, in 2003. And basically the player is the shooter. So it's a first-person right. game. Um, where you um, go in and kill people um, virtually, <clears throat> and the problem with video games is that virtually present is not actually absent, meaning that when you're virtually present and your your mind get used you get used to that uh, scenario and playing that game, it's a very, very, very short distance to to real life or operationalizing. Um, what you do online, <clears throat> so uh, uh, swatting is really uh, the act of fraudulently calling emergency services to another person 's address um, for uh, what what can be uh, an an active shooter um, a burglar somebody 's in the process of being murdered, <clears throat> and what it does is it prompts a a very aggressive and widespread emergency response to that residence.
0: Mm-hmm. When
2: law enforcement shows up, the people who um, uh, are, are in the home, the apartment, whatever it is, have no idea what's going on. Right. So um, it's a very tense situation because if you think people are being killed, um your 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 senses are going to be on overload, no matter how mm-hmm. experienced you are, as a as, as an operator, as a police operator. Mm-hmm. So, um, any little thing, um, uh, it, it potentially is going to trigger a shooting. Um, and that, so, uh, you alluded to that, mm-hmm. you know, with that Wichita incident, mm-hmm. uh, police breach this guy's home, thinking somebody's getting killed. What he sees in his mind's eye is a, a burglar coming in to harm Himmer's family and, and tragedy uh, resulted.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. Well, and I want to get back to that because that's so important, but back to the, the game thing. I mean, I hadn't realized that they actually um, incorporated this into the game back as far as 2003. So uh, this is something that in the game they actually call and, and call the SWAT team and they're doing this in the game and somehow the players are moving this from you know being online to reality is there something about the game or the competition i mean is there something that motivates them to do that like they're getting more points in the game for doing that or
2: the uh, the problem is when conflict breaks out and um, it goes back to the old adage that people will write things on email or Twitter that they would never say to you in person, and mm-hmm. I call those people keyboard warriors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they'll they'll type something about you, but really they're a coward, so so they won't say it to you in person.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: um, so you you mix that um, with the detachment of um, of the interpersonal relationships. And the, um, a, a victim really becomes part of the game in these people's minds. So they don't really necessarily see the consequences of, of what they're really doing wrong, although they right. certainly know it's wrong. Um, that incident in Wichita um, was over uh, uh, $1.50. It was an argument really? about one dollar and fifty cents mm-hmm.
1: so it was and, an argument that the person had with another player in that mm-hmm. game yep
2: yep ah, and so, and so, so, so that's what that that's what caused ultimately the death to occur is a video game that created virtual reality and uh, very very transitioned into real reality.
1: Yeah, it was like, it seems like a domino effect, like the person gets caught up and then for some reason they think making a phone call has no consequence from what you've been, you know, kind of describing. And then the person at the other end, in the at the 911 dispatcher, um, maybe they don't, you know, this is something new and different perhaps, so maybe the questions aren't there for them to ask to, to weed these out, but, um, oh my gosh. Well, it seems like... I mean, and as you know, I like to imagine how these types of vulnerabilities got that because this really is a vulnerability. It couldn't terrorists? I mean, I'm surprised that this isn't something that terrorists. Since you have all of these uh, classes and certifications and ex- expertise in in terrorism, it seems like the terrorist would be using this too, because that that would seem mm-hmm. like that would be a just a glaring vulnerability within our country um, with all these other swatting incidents going on.
2: Well, without revealing any classified information, uh, theoretically what, what terrorists would do is uh, um, call in a swatting incident to divert law enforcement resources away from another area that then they would take people hostages in, such as a school.
0: So oh. it would be a diversionary
2: tactic um, and, and that's part of the terrorist well-known playbook. Uh, it, it, you know, we t- we talk about critical infrastructure and re- key resources, and, and every country has those. Well, so you think about the cascading effect where it's hot, and and, and the power grid goes down, mm-hmm. and then pretty soon phones don't work, and 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 then there's this cascading effect where people get more and more frustrated, and more and more fearful. And as every domino falls, the, uh, you know, the, the stress and anxiety ramp up exponentially. Mm-hmm. So, um, as I said, terrorists are, are well calculated. Uh, they get to choose when, where, how. They only have their target to watch. The good guys have the whole world to watch at all times. Right. So, the, so understanding that, um, that, that problem, um, they have a, a tremendous strategic advantage so, swatting is one of those techniques that they would use to uh, to draw law enforcement away from one area to, to make it more vulnerable and an easier uh, victim for the terrorists.
1: Well, it seems like then, you know, based on that, because it goes far beyond. I think what we hear about the local ones and like with the the um, the the online game, like. Take, for instance, the, the case here in West Des Moines. I mean, wouldn't it be a good practice to have, and maybe they, they do have this, but like for the 911 dispatchers to have some sort of questions to maybe help them identify swatting calls when they come in, or do they already do something like that? Perhaps
2: well, they, that would they help. Well, they try, and... Mm-hmm. Um, there's this balance between getting assets on site right away and and getting enough information. Uh, I know uh, I have a friend in Israel who's a, a quick reaction force individual for an area, and uh, his uh, his M4 carbine hangs above um, the door, and he uh, he talks about thinking whether he even wants to put it on his shoes or not because that's another second and it's another second that somebody can die. Mm-hmm. So so time um, is, is really a very, very finite issue. And um, so trying to get law enforcement in route very, very quickly, uh, that rapid response uh, to an active shooter is critical. And so what you're going to get is territory officers, and then uh, actual SWAT people are going to tear in Meaning it'll be uh, they, they have to mobilize, so it won't be right away. So what you're going to get is those street officers that, that converge on that area, and you're going to rely on their training. So it's really mm. it's really not SWAT that's going to show up. The cavalry is going to be the local uh, police who's ever on the road
1: and closest in the situation. So maybe they're already there. While the 911 dispatcher is still on the phone and trying to validate um, the legitimacy of the call?
2: That's true. And one of the problems that communications operators have in public safety answering points or dispatch centers is trying to uh, determine what's real and what's not real mm-hmm. based on very, very limited information. And really, communications operators um, really have one of the toughest jobs, in my view, because they have to sort of screen incoming calls and, and coordinate law enforcement response, and they're worried about the officers they're sending getting hurt or killed, and they're worried about innocent victims getting hurt or killed. And, and all the time, they have to remain calm and 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 people expect them to have a crystal ball to know exactly what, what officer is going into. And, and it just doesn't work that way, unfortunately. So they're well, really communications operators that uh, are the unsung heroes of law enforcement.
1: Oh, I agree. I mean, what they're doing is so stressful yep. and uh, so much falls on their shoulders. But then they it probably frustrates them so much when you hear about the occasional lemons like we've heard about you know, in the, the news every now and then. Um, where oh, there's one 911 dispatch that said, you know, stop calling me or bothering me. You know, the it's it's the very very few like that. I think that probably frustrates uh, all the rest of the the ones who try to do what's what's right and to get help to where it's needed.
2: Yeah, and if you think um, about it, um, uh, a 911 call taker or communications operator. Probably has the highest stress of of anybody in, in that in that chain of public safety response because mm-hmm. they have the least amount of information, real information and the least amount of control and um, so they have to be the ones that remain the most calm under the most pressure and and be that vital link between responding officers and and the information. So that as they get information, they can get out to the officers and literally, hopefully, help them keep them alive. So it's yes. a, you know it's a it's a pretty it, it's a pretty heavy duty burden to carry, and uh, uh, boy, my my hat's off to those folks seriously.
1: Yeah, and and it, it it kind of upsets me too when you do have just the occasional one out of the you know you have ninety nine point five percent that are doing great and then you have just one or two that make a huge mistake that, that ends in tragedy and then all of a sudden it, it makes it even harder, I think, for them to do their jobs with that additional pressure. I mean, when I heard about um, the the college um, the young man who got, you know, crushed in the back of his car and he had called twice and uh, because of you know communications problems that ended in his death basically yep. i can only imagine what um, that dispatcher was probably you know how that dispatcher has to live with that for the rest of her life now it's just terrible
2: yeah I think um, the problem go ahead no go ahead i i think the problem is that uh, law enforcement agencies test for uh Technical skills, <clears throat> and they try to test for stress, but you really never know how you're going to react under stress until it actually occurs. Mm-hmm. And 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 some people just reach a certain level where they uh, where they can't function anymore. And, right. Um, so if public safety agencies could do one thing, it would be testing that would really put people um, under a lot of pressure. Um, Anybody can do the job when there's no pressure. Um, being mm-hmm. able to b- do difficult things consistently well under great amount of pressure is what separates professionals from amateurs.
1: Oh yeah, and I would think too. And and you're the the expert in this area. But it seems like after a certain period of time for the dispatchers to be on the job, it might be good to give them a break away from that type of uh, you know activity for. Mm-hmm. I don't know, a week or two, maybe?
2: <laughs> well, it, it would. And the other thing I like is when departments actually have a program where they put, for instance, police officers doing a dispatcher's job and the dispatcher out in a patrol car riding with the oh, police yeah. officer. Because what it does is it gives them a valuable perspective about their internal customer
1: right
2: right and, and and that is you know it's easy to judge as long as it's not you in the hot seat you know? yeah no kidding but, yeah but, but if well, police officers especially going to dispatch uh center um they they gain a whole new appreciation for the pressure um uh, that that uh, communications operator is under
1: oh i like that idea now we're coming up now for a break so um it's time to take a quick break to hear from our valued sponsors that I, of course, appreciate so much. We're speaking today with Tom Conley, president and CEO of the Conley Group, about swatting. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the privacy professor. You can contact me with questions and comments about this show as well as show topic suggestions using my email, RebeccaHarold@RebeccaHarold.com, at and also through my website, Symbus360.com and privacyguidance.com. Please stay with us. We'll be right back after these important messages from my sponsors.
2: From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business
0: Network. The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyprofessor.org. Rebecca Harold & Associates offers information security products, privacy and compliance tools, education and consulting. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages. She has published since 2007. Visit privacyprofessor.org for help and answers to your questions. Have you heard about Simbas360.com? The Simbas system includes information security, privacy and compliance management, policies, procedures and forms, third party and vendor management, training and awareness. Breach Response and Management, Employee Tasks and Assets Management, and Risk Management Automation. Symbus also offers AlienVault Unified IT Security Management at reduced pricing and also Cyber Liability Insurance with limits up to $25 million. You need to find out more about the Symbus system. Visit Symbus360.com.
2: Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Herald RebeccaHerald at RebeccaHerald.com. That's RebeccaHerald at RebeccaHerald.com. Now back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor.
1: Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold. We are speaking today with Tom Conley, President and CEO of the Conley Group, about swatting. So let's continue our conversation. You know, we talked about um, having people call to make bogus uh, 911 calls to go to people's house, but oftentimes... Those calls look like they're coming from a local phone number. And so they're using some sort of anonymity tools. So, Tom, can you explain maybe where the anonymity tools come that the swatters are using and how easy they are to get?
2: Well, they're very easy to get on the web, as you know. <clears throat> and um, you, you can virtually spoof and hijack um anybody's information um especially when they the other player allows you in um you know to, to, to the system so
0: mm-hmm.
2: um there's there's a lot of dangers in even having your kids play this game or, or really any violent video games um and uh you know those tools that uh You know, can can basically even the field by by doing a swatting call um, is is, you know the immaturity of um, younger people, especially that have uh, underdeveloped maturity and overdeveloped technical skills.
0: Well, in those combination.
1: yeah, and those anonymity tools, you know, we get a lot of these scam calls, too, from people saying that, you know, they're calling because they're tech people that's going to fix our computers or they're the, from the IRS. Those are probably similar types of anonymity tools that are used to call 911 as well, right?
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And as you know, better than 99.9% of the people in this globe, if there's anything electronic and connected, it can be uh, hijacked and rerouted.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, and talking about technology and those capabilities. So when I when I hear about these swatting incidents, I put on my systems engineer hat, and mm-hmm. it seems to me that there could be tools that could be built into um, the different systems, the dispatch systems, that could maybe flag. When a phone number, let's say, is coming from a VoIP, uh, through a VoIP connection, maybe from an IP address that is outside the range of the geographic area. But I know that costs money, and I know police departments um, are very limited in funds. But do you know of any police departments that are using any type of tools to kind of be able to flag when calls come in if if the call itself from a technology perspective looks like it's uh, coming from way far away from the area
2: well um, in, in in central Iowa we have a tool called smart 911 <clears throat> and oh, okay you can you can sign up for free it's just uh, www.smart911.com. smart 911 com and um, it's free for its citizens. I'm sure that our tax dollars pay for it. But um, what you can do is enter um, your your information for your address, you know, your phone number. Um, if you have animals, um, in the license plate number and description of your vehicles, pictures of you and your family. And um, um, if, if people are concerned about privacy, but. Um, the information disappears from the, the dispatch operator screen in a half hour after they bring it up. <clears throat> and there's a record of it being brought up. You can also put um, plans of your home on there. And so um, it, it, it's my understanding that there's a screening capability built in <clears throat> to tell if it's coming from the home or not. Uh, the other thing is that if well, you put, go ahead.
1: Well, yeah, just since you're talking about that, so if the the woman in West Des Moines who was just swatted, uh, had the swatting incident a couple of days ago, if she had been using the smart 911 and she had information in there that showed, you know, like a pet or license plate or whatever, then the 911 dispatcher could have then said to the caller that said, oh, somebody, you know, the caller saying, oh, people are getting shot up here, then the I mean, it still takes a few seconds, but the caller or the 911 dispatcher would have pulled that up and maybe asked um, to verify some of that information.
2: Absolutely. The other thing is that if you have pictures of your family on there, those pictures can actually be transmitted to responding law enforcement officers, so they have in transit visibility of um, who who is supposed to be at the house, who isn't. So they don't mistake uh, a tourist for a terrorist, if you, if
1: you will.
2: Oh, okay. <laughs> and um, it, you know, it's, it's for fires too. You know, if you if you have mm. your, you and your husband and and a child will live in a house, and uh, firefighters see that all three of you are out, they're not going to die looking for a fourth person who may may be in there. <laughs> okay. Uh, but there's some some information if you have a cat named Freddie. Um, mm-hmm. the dispatcher can ask it, the, the caller, do you have any animals? Well, yeah, we yeah we have a dog. Mm-hmm. Okay, what's his name? <clears throat> and so that's a way to, to help authenticate very, very quickly with a very limited amount of information, <clears throat> you know, whether somebody is authentic or not. You know, what's your color of car? You know, mm-hmm. how many cars do you have? What are they? <clears throat> so it doesn't have to be real high-tech information, but enough. Sure you know, to give a dispatcher, um, you know, an, an idea if there's a problem. And the other thing you can upload is plans of your home so that um, it, it, if there is a legitimate call, you know, so, so, so-and-so's in the backyard um, and, and they're coming in the back door, police officers have a floor plan and can mm-hmm. go in and clear the, the building and know what they're walking into.
1: Interesting. So that's called, again, smart911.com? Yes, ma'am.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'm going to go out and look at that after our call because that sounds very interesting. And very, then with very rego- good. So the, the data that you upload, the photos and possibly videos, is that only kept within the police um, system itself for use in that loc- locality?
2: Yes, it's considered protected law enforcement sensitive information <clears throat> so not only is there a higher level of protection um but uh, uh the uh the information uh itself is limited to who can even see it and it's okay. exempt, it's, it's uh, as you as you know sensitive but classified information is exempt from a freedom of information request by by somebody else so You know, let's say you had your information on there. I want it. I serve the department with a freedom of information request. They say, you know, sorry, Charlie, no go.
1: Oh, good, because I know a lot of people might be hesitant to use that if they thought uh, that that data might be used for many other things. So absolutely. Yeah, you always have to balance safety and privacy. I mean, it, the trick is finding a good solution that addresses both, certainly. Um, so what makes a location or a person a target for a swatting call? I mean, we, we talked about the online game. So we know about if people are playing that game, but we also talked about how others could use it. And what I think about is, you know, I see people posting on social media all the time when they're actually um, in the house alone. They might say, oh, I've got the place to myself now that the family's gone for the weekend, or they talk about, oh, I'm on vacation, and, of course, that means that their house is Mm -hmm. more than likely empty. So, you know, what makes a location or a person a target for a swatting call?
2: So the criminal triangle or the crime triangle is you need um, means – uh, motive and opportunity. So um with these swatting calls, you have to really look at the motive. So mm-hmm. um most uh, probably not all but a great majority there's some nexus to some individual in the house or people who they're related to. <clears throat> um and it could be that um you know ex friend is mad at, at at the at their neighbor so they have an, another person out of state actually do the swatting call. But there's some nexus, probably, because, again, you have to look at the motivation. You know, right. What, what, what would cause uh, a motive to, to do swatting? Well, some you know, people would say just for the heck of it, and I suppose there is some of that. But you think about retaliation. You think about evening the playing field. You know, paying somebody back, showing them that you're better. Well, so there's that motive in there.
1: Yeah. So I guess you know, I'm putting this together as you're you're um, pointing this out. I'm thinking, if you have somebody in your home that plays uh, online games uh, or gaming types of situations, it might be a good idea to use that nine one one and and tell me again. I it just flipped out of my head what you said it was. The, the, the website? The, the
2: Smart the smart 911.
1: Smart 911. So mm-hmm. maybe if you have somebody like that in your home, that would be a good reason to use Smart 911 to, to have those types of things that dispatchers could use. Also, mm-hmm. I would think politicians. I mean, I read about um, last year uh, there was a congresswoman in Massachusetts that had uh, swatting done to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I would think politicians would probably be others that might want to make sure they limit what they put online about, um, of course, that's hard for a politician because they need to be transparent, <laughs> but at the same yep. time, uh, they need to make sure that uh, they protect themselves um, and there was that twelve-year-old child. I don't know if you saw that case in February, but that was some a child that was playing, I believe, an online game too that ended up being swatted. So
2: I, I did not see that, but it it, it doesn't surprise me. It's doesn't very um, me. scary. The other thing about this smart nine-one-one is, I believe you can enter cell phone numbers in it too.
0: Oh, so, okay. So,
2: So they can authenticate cell phone numbers coming in, but also if they have your cell phone number, um, uh, another operator on another line can call that cell phone to authenticate it while you have the caller on the line.
1: Right, right. Oh, that would be a really good thing to do. Yep. Lots of good ideas for dispatchers to think about if they haven't already. Um, So what do you think should be done, or do you think more needs to be done with swatting? I mean, I... I've heard where different, um, you know, groups or police, different police organizations say, well, swatting's been around. It's not really increasing. But, yeah, like I said at the very beginning, I found all those cases just within 30 seconds, and that was only in the last month. So what do you think? Do you think swatting is becoming more of a problem, or is it just being more reported upon?
2: I, I think it's becoming more of a problem. <clears throat> I mean, there are there are several uh, federal laws um, w- with swatting, because uh, obviously uses the the uh, infrastructure, you know, mm-hmm. which brings under federal jurisdiction, even interstate. Uh, but um, in California, for instance, the swatter is responsible for the police charges. So ten thousand, oh. fifteen thousand, whatever the response cost, they're they're accountable for that financially. Um, uh, the the problem with bad behavior is that after a while it seems to get normalized. I mean, I remember right, when right. the first postal shooting occurred; it's like everybody was horrified. We couldn't believe it. And now, um, yep, there was another active shooter situation today. So that's my concern: is, mm-hmm. is swatting being so common and desensitized that it's used? Is, is an easy retaliation tool.
1: Well, then, so do you think there should be uh, some federal laws or state laws uh, that have higher penalties for that? Because, like in the case with the um, the Kansas man who was shot, the person who did the swatting, it you know, it was a, a manslaughter charge, right? So right. they did mm-hmm. yep. because there was a death involved. But for just swatting and when there's no physical harm's done, what do you think about penalties for those who are doing the swatting in those situ- situations? Do you think that would keep, you know, maybe dissuade them from doing that?
2: Uh, I mean, I would hope so. The core problem is we have incredibly violent games that normalize uh, very, very violent behavior into young, impressionable people who don't have the maturity. And, um, and, and then there's this fine line between theory and reality. And if you look at uh, especially younger active shooters, you know, from, um, from, from this, this guy in Parkland, Florida, you know, on, on down the line, um, what they have in common is, is violent video games um, as, as a young person. And literally, psychologists tell me that it literally rewires your brain. And so um, if it normalizes violence, then then you don't have any problem really doing anything because it's normal. And that's my fear.
1: Well, and I kind of I, I agree with that to a large extent, but also I think it goes beyond that to even these um, groups that um, are becoming, you know, that that promote hate and promote violence. Yeah, um, yeah. So it kind of goes out to them, too. But, you know, so when we're thinking about swatting, one of the things that a lot of people are getting now are home uh, safety and security systems that include the, the video feeds, the live yeah. video feeds. So now yeah. if you have a live video feed around your home, you could if you hear somebody knocking like crazy on your door, you can see if it's the police or not. Um, you know, I mean, what are your thoughts about those home safety, security, video systems and how they relate not only to swatting but also just to general safety um, for the home homeowners?
2: Sure. I, I think the more reasonable security you have at your home, um, the, the, the it's called target hardening. And it's mm-hmm. no different than cyber in that if you're an easy target, that um, uh, your vulnerability increases, and the, which correlates to the higher probability of an attack. Um, the the problem with homes is people will get alarm systems, but then they won't use them. They'll ah, get good yeah. locks, but but have a a, a ten dollar door frame, so so they have a real good door on a frame that you can just uh, sort of shoulder bump, and the whole frame comes off. So. Um, uh, they'll have windows and they won't lock them. They won't put lights up. They won't cut their brush back. So some of those basic things are really the best things to do. And then cameras, alarms are, are really icing on the cake, as it were, to mm-hmm. a base uh, hardened uh, security uh, uh, home. You know, you know, don't don't. If you get a big TV, don't put the box out, you know, for bad guys to see. Right. By your house on garbage day. So, it's always, don't leave your garage door open. Uh, The other thing that I like about alarm systems is they have um, typically a fob that has a manually activated uh, distress alarm. So, if you're in your garage or if you're in the driveway, you can just bump that, hit that from your car, and, and the house alarm will call and notify law enforcement that it's not a burglary alarm, it's an activated uh, distress alarm. Um,
1: yeah, I have one of those, and I really like that. Plus, I get um, emails sent to me or text messages if, like, a door opens, and maybe I'm yep. on a business trip so I can see yep. that a door is opened. And, of course, I I like the old, uh, when I'm here alone, Why I like, my Doberman too, because the Doberman is probably the most loyal home security <laughs> system that I have.
2: Yep, and bad guys are scared of dogs.
1: As they well, they're pretty. And productive. they, be. <laughs> they
2: you know, be. D- dogs see burglars as fast food.
1: <laughs> when they
0: run.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Actually, a quick story. I, uh, I, on, I, my bedroom's on the second floor, and at Two thirty one one night um, last year where I heard something out in the yard and I looked there was somebody trying to get into my first floor side door and oh. I opened the window but my dog stuck her head out and he started growling and barking and the guy looked up and then he kind of stumbled, ran away, so I thought he must have just been drunk and thought he was getting into the wrong home. But um, (laughs) that that, I was so happy for Stella in that point in time. I was very happy for her. So um, what should somebody do then if they have a a security system, they see somebody, let's say they're in their home and they see somebody trying to break in, certainly that's a a 911 911 event, right, that they need to call Correct. right away. Um, but what if they see them, like a lot of times people can see what's going on when they're not at their house, um, you know, 911, any other tips that you would give to people with regard to if they actually see or encounter somebody I would in have their
2: home? An activation of the alarm up to lights and a uh, very, very loud siren. Um, ah, yeah. Bad guys hate light at night, and they hate noise because they both draw attention to them. So if um, um, my concern always is if somebody gets in your house, in your home, and the police come, and the, the person can't escape then it can create a hostage situation. So, Right. So, um, you know, they're, they're, they're overcommitted if they're in your house and the police around the house and your home. Um, so if they, let, let's say, open a window and the alarm goes off, they have a very, very easy decision to make to, to run away. Um, right. So they, they don't overcommit and put them in, them in danger and you're in danger because if they get caught, they're going to jail. So they have a very, very high um, interest in maintaining risk management for the crime they're about to commit. Um, so you always want to chase them away. <clears throat> Businesses is different. Um, you don't want a siren so so the police can get there, surround them, and catch them. Mm, right, right. But, yeah, at home, have the lights turned on, have strobe lights on the top of the house, and have a light up like a Christmas tree and uh, uh, you know loudspeaker.
1: You know, in the swatting, tying the swatting in now, a lot of times it, crooks have been known to dress up as police, right? Yep. So mm-hmm. if you do, if you are an unknowing victim of a swatting call and you hear somebody pounding on your door, you look out and it's somebody dressed in a police uniform, but you don't know that it's them. What can you do to validate that it actually is somebody that's, police and it's not somebody just posing to try to get into your house
2: sure there's a couple things um if if there's a a a burglary or some call um a communications operator will try to call your home um so so that authenticates it What I would do is if you're not sure, call 911 and just make sure it's a valid police. Ah. If it is, you will see um, probably several cars. They will probably have their lights on. Um, I I mean, I don't want to oversimplify it, but if you look out and see a police officer but no patrol car, that's a problem.
1: Yeah, yeah. And that's a good point because people can buy, of course, the old used uh police cars, right? And they might sure. put their own siren on there, but for a, an official car they should have the city, you know, logo on the side or or something else.
2: Yeah, and and you can always call nine one one and just authenticate. I mean it's a a five or six second call. And and if
1: it's
2: legitimately the police they have no problem authenticating because they want you to know that they're the real deal so that you and them don't get sh- uh, confused and get in a shooting match oh yeah oh my and well one of the things that people need to understand is when law enforcement comes to your door for a problem especially if they believe there's a violent crime they're going to be on very 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 high alert yeah so so you know don't make quick moves you know
1: Well, like the guy in Kansas, too, you want to keep your hands, you don't want to put your hands around your waist or any place that you could grab a a weapon, right?
2: Yeah, and like in an active shooter incident, if you're involved in one of those, law enforcement comes in, they don't know who's the good guy and who's the bad guy. So what everybody needs to do is put their hands up and follow commands. Everybody will get cuffed up, and then they'll sort it out. But, mm-hmm. you know, don't make sudden movements. Don't Don't fight. You know, just, um, you know, be, be calm and do what you're told to do because they don't know.
1: Exactly. So we're about at the end of our time here, but do you have any final uh, quick thought or recommendation for our listeners uh, to leave them with today?
2: I, I think one of the things that I'd say is whether you're um, uh, a two-parent household, one-parent household, whatever it is, Make sure you know what your kids are doing, Um, and um, uh, I like the idea of having the computer in a common area so that, um, you know, the parents can see what's going on, Um, but but know what your kids are doing, um, Mm -hmm. and don't let them develop into something else under your nose um, when you think they're doing one thing, but really they're doing another, and, you know, same is true of their friends right and make, make right. sure you know who their friends are because bad apples tend to um have have a, a cancerous effect on good individuals so
1: well thank you for all of those uh great insights and also all the the really important information about swatting and for being a guest on my show again today tom
2: it's really my pleasure
1: thank you so much and today we've been speaking with tom conley President and CEO of the Conley Group. You can see more about Tom at theconleygroup.com and on Twitter at conleygroup1. Or, sorry, at conleygroup1. No dot after it. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the privacy professor. Please tune in to the show each week. If you cannot make our scheduled live time, you will be able to listen to the recordings. You can find the recordings of all my past shows on iTunes, Mobile Play, Stitcher.com, TuneIn.com, and Player FM, in addition to on the Voice America Business Channel website, of course. And also, contact me if you need any information, security, privacy, or compliance, keynotes, um, if you want more information about my businesses, go to sims 360com You can also visit my YouTube channel, The Privacy Professor, to see my appearances on CW Iowa Live morning shows each month and also see the topics we discuss there. Also, send me your topic and guest, host, uh, guest suggestions using Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHarold.com. I urge you to notice and stay aware of information security and privacy issues as you go about your daily activities, when you go to your job, when you do your daily work, or encounter anything else involving your personal information and how it's secured and potentially used in ways that could impact your privacy. Until our next show, ask those you do business with and work for if they are doing all they can to secure the information that you've entrusted to them. Be privacy aware in the week ahead. Bye for now.
0: Thank you for tuning in this week. Data security and privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific time and 5 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next week, stay safe.